the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Friday, April 21st, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. We have David Dahl is the producer, completing his first full week as a producer. Bill, of course, completing his full week in his new uh, supervisory role. Uh, congrats to both of you, and thank you both for a job and a week well done. It is Open Line Friday. Anything on your mind, 602-508-0960. I was saying earlier in the week that it's odd or should be seen as odd how much news, how much talk, how many headlines are about transgender issues, whether it's the shooting in Nashville, if you remember that, to the Riley Gaines assault battery and false imprisonment, to the ongoing stories about transgender women in sports, to drag queen, drag queen story hours, or what I rather prefer to call anti-female burlesque shows, to Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light. It all reminds me of the Stephen Stills Buffalo Springfield song titled For What It's Worth. There's something happening here, but what it is ain't exactly clear. There's battle lines being drawn. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. The song goes on to talk about not listening to the children, and it speaks of the fear of paranoia that is caused by the fear of being taken away by, quote-unquote, the man. There is something happening here, and it is increasingly clear. Obviously, we know the battle lines. Not a single Democrat in the House of Representatives voted yesterday to keep males from competing in women's sports on a piece of legislation designed to do just that. Meanwhile, when it comes to listening to the children, I urge us to think again about what we are doing in catastrophizing, catastrophizing them, either with highly decontextualized racial and sexual message or disruptions of all they know is inherently true about their bodies and their nature. The AP story on the House vote yesterday to protect women in sports and reprinted in the Arizona Republic this morning begins this way, quote, transgender athletes whose biological sex assigned at birth was male would be barred from competing on girls or women's sports teams at federally supported schools and colleges under legislation pushed through Thursday by House Republicans checking off another high profile item on their social agenda, close quote. Break that down a moment with me, just as a tribute to understanding just what that sound is. Legislation pushed through by House Republicans, or just voted upon and passed, given that Republicans have a majority in the House. I don't know how it was pushed through. It was legislation the majority of the House voted for. Checking off another high-profile item on their social agenda. Checking off, as if this isn't important, but some kind of pro forma virtue signal or culture war on the social agenda, our social agenda. This is so interesting to me, as if we all started this ball game in the ninth inning. Was there no reason to pass this legislation? 
And who started all this in the first place? A violation of law, culture, nature, and all history takes place. Pushed by the radical left of the last several years, adopted by the Democratic Party, upsetting all history and nature, and opposition to it, is Republicans pushing something through on their social agenda? Trust me when I tell you there is no greater wish for Republicans or conservatives not to have this on any agenda, social, political, or otherwise. This was the left's invasion with an alien social agenda. Who upset, who upset what apple cart that has been extant from time immemorial? Want an easy test on this? Go read that AP opening sentence again and ask yourselves who, five years ago, would even have understood what it meant. Wait, men competing against women on women's sports teams because they say there are women despite their anatomy, the way they were born, and their chromosomes? Men being able to go into women's locker rooms and restrooms because they claim to be women against their anatomy and the way they were born and their chromosomes? Conservatives and Republicans started this? It's a total inversion of thousands of years of history and all scientific and moral understanding with dramatic consequences, including not only inequality, but also violent crime, and we're making it a social issue and trying to stop it? Democratic Party candidate for Senate in California, current member of the House of Representatives, Katie Porter, said on Real Time with Bill Maher last week that Riley Gaines was speaking out against men competing against women for, her words, quote, social media likes and clicks, close quote. It took an old-fashioned liberal, Piers Morgan, to respond this way, quote, that's not what she's doing. I've got no truck to run against personally, but all I've seen her do is stand up for women's rights, for fairness and equality. She actually competed against Leah Thomas, and it was obviously unfair. Leah Thomas won one of the races in the NCAA championships by 50 seconds against a bunch of biological females who simply couldn't keep up. That cannot be right. It cannot be fair, close quote. Representative Porter responded, quote, that is something that I trust I think our sporting bodies should be dealing with. And by the way, Riley is speaking up for herself, and that is her prerogative, and I respect her free speech, close quote. Morgan rejoined, quote, I think she's speaking for pretty much every female athlete in the world, close quote. Now, do note the dodge of Miss Porter's. She said it should be left up to the sporting bodies to make these decisions, not federal legislation. Right. Not even she can sustain this argument. That is and was the whole point of the Civil Rights Acts, including Title IX, to stop outside institutions from doing just anything they wanted when it comes to or came to everything from race to religion to sex. I mean, what if those sporting bodies wanted to discriminate by religion or race? It's only okay if they want to discriminate against women now because that is now the force of the left, the erasure of women. Keep that phrase in mind, the erasure of women. We're going to return to it. My favorite part of the AP story is this, quote, Republicans framed the vote as supporting female athletes disadvantaged by having to compete against those whose gender identity does not match, match their sex assigned at birth, close quote. Who five years ago would even understand what that sentence meant? Wait, did I read that rightly? Would there have been a response or the response women's sports means competing against men? Why have anything called women's sports or Title IX in the first place if there is no difference between men and women? And be it Supreme Court justices or today's current U.S. Secretary of Education, note the conceit here. 
They won't even define what a woman is precisely because the obliteration of the distinction between man and woman, male and female, is their order of the day, up against the natural time immemorial order, or any order. It's almost as if the left decided to ban the nonprofit status of schools or churches and synagogues, and the effort to stop that would be described as a social agenda or culture war we're starting, or it's as if federal funding was re-geared to supporting segregated schools, and Republican efforts to stop that was the commencement of a social agenda or or social war we were starting. This is the perfect culmination of the social Marxist experiment, which, as Marx put it, was to alter everything already in place and to challenge nature. One scholar wrote a few months back, if two sides can't even agree on the basic understanding of men and women and the biological differences between them, how can we move forward to cooperate on anything? This gets us to something deep and deeply disturbing. Harry Jaffa put it this way, quote, it cannot be emphasized too often that the root of all human relationships, the root of all morality, is nature, which is itself grounded in the generative distinction of male and female. Close quote. Might we pause a moment on this most troublesome of words for the left, the N-word, if you will, nature? The very word itself is full of meaning, as its very etymology from the Latin is based on the notion of human birth, literally birth from natus, born, past participle of nasci, to be born. Thus, Harry Jaffa would write, quote, The distinction between a man and a woman is a distinction as fundamental as any in nature, because, because it is the very distinction by which nature itself is constituted. It is the ability of two members of the same species to generate a third that confirms them as a member of the same species. It thereby confirms male and female members of the human species in that equality of rights to which they are entitled as members of that species. At root, to repeat, the distinction between a man and a woman is a distinction as fundamental as any in nature because it is the very distinction by which nature itself is constituted. It is the ability of two members of the same species to generate a third and involve the equality of rights to which they are all entitled as members of that species. Which is why communism, like Nazism, is opposed to, abhorrent to, and poised against, challenging, to nature. If men and women are not biologically different, neither are humans and other animals. And thus in those regimes, you could do to humans what you would naturally do to animals. This is why Jefferson would write, quote, the general spread of the light of science has already laid open to every view the palpable truth that the mass of mankind has not been born with saddles on their backs, nor a favored few booted and spurred ready to write them legitimately by the grace of God. And this is why Karl Marx, Frederick Engels, no less than Adolf Hitler and Joseph Mengele were so opposed to nature, trying to, in their own words, upend and change it. You shall be as gods. How did Whitaker Chambers put it? Communism is not new. It is, in fact, man's second oldest faith. Its promise was whispered in the first days of the creation under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Ye shall be as gods. It is the great alternative faith of mankind. Like all great faiths, its force derives from a simple vision. Other ages have had great visions. They have always been different versions of the same vision. 
the vision of God and man's relationship to God. The communist vision is the, is the vision of man without God. It is the vision of man's mind displacing God as the creative intelligence of the world. It is the vision of man's liberated mind by the sole force of its rational intelligence, redirecting man's destiny and reorganizing man's life and the world. It is the vision of man, once more the central figure of the creation, not because God made man in his image, but because man's mind makes him the most intelligent of the animals. Copernicus and his successors displaced man as the central fact of universe by proving that the earth was not the central star of the universe. Communism restores man to his sovereignty by the simple method of denying God. Close quote. And that is what Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, the founders of 19th century communism, set upon, starting with the disruption of the family and the reorientation of nature. In the Communist Manifesto, they are explicit on this point. The Western family stands in the way of their social and political goals or upheaval. Here's how they put it. Quote, abolition of the family. On what foundation is the present family, the bourgeois family, based? On capital, on private gain. In its completely developed form, this family exists only among the bourgeois. But the state of things finds its complement in the practical absence of the family among the proletarians and in public prostitution. The bourgeois bourgeois family will vanish as a matter of course when its complement vanishes, and both will vanish with the vanishing of capital. Do you say we are wanting to stop the exploitation of children by their parents? To this crime, we plead guilty, close quote. Marx would further write that nature is, quote, the totality of needs and drives, and that needs drive nature, not the other way around. In other words, nature is a social construct. Marx puts this perfectly clearly when he wrote, quote, the essence of man is no abstraction inherent in each single individual. In reality, it is the ensemble of social relations, close quote, a social contract. That is to say, or mean, whatever humans can make of it. Thus, no need for distinctions between humans and animals, humans and gods, families and no families, or men and women. As O'Brien, the protagonist in George Orwell's 1984, puts it, quote, We control matter because we control the mind. Reality is inside the skull. You will learn by degrees, Winston. There is nothing that we cannot do. Invisibility, levitation, anything. I could float off this floor like a soap bubble if I wished to. I do not wish to because the party does not wish it. You must get rid of those 19th century ideas about the laws of nature. We make the laws of nature. Nothing exists except through human consciousness. Outside man, there is nothing. You are imagining that there is something called human nature which will be outraged by what we do and will turn against us, but we create human nature. Men are infinitely malleable, close quote. For those of you who studied in German or even ancient Latin literature, you know this concept as homo farber, roughly man the maker. It's a deeply Marxist concept as well. Human, man, is defined by what he creates and the power over his nature. It is counterpoised by Deus farber, or God the maker, or just nature, or just the laws of nature and nature's God. What we are witnessing isn't just Marxism. It's Marxist Maoism. The Maoist Cultural Revolution set about getting rid of what it called the four olds, old ideas, old habits, old customs, and old culture. 
And one of those olds was the erasure of femininity and the feminine sphere, as Professor K. Ann Johnson put it. Think of those old Mao uniforms as but one of the the many symbols and efforts. Now you know why I use the hashtag MOFA, Make Orwell Fiction Again. WCWA is another acronym we may need, Win the Cold War Again. We have to say this because we are not witnessing progress, regardless of what or who the progressives tell us they are. None of what we are up against is advancement or progress. It is societal slippage, regress, and redefinition. The level to which it has purchased, however, is the precise conclusion of the long effort to at once embrace leftism and Marxism as an equally alternative, as an equal alternative and viable philosophy of life and government as we have known it up until yesterday. And it helps explain why the media is so taken and used to euphemisms, blaming conservatives, and why the left is so thermotical in its opposition to studying, appreciating, never mind embracing, our founding and its appeal to natural rights and natural law. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Open lines Friday, 602-508-0960. Tim is in Mesa. Hello, Tim. Hey, Seth. Hey, as far as uh, men competing against women, this is all going to end, Seth, when a women's collegiate basketball team has two males on it and they win the national championship by 30 30 points. That's right. And, And all these college basketball fans like Barack Obama are going to have to admit how silly all this is. I wonder if they will. I mean, do they understand the the, the road they're leading us down? Uh, I wonder if they will. And I wonder, you know, if the NCAA is going to have to, you know, Katie Porter, that representative who's actually running for Dianne Feinstein's Senate seat, that Democrat, she said the NCAA should be left to decide whatever it wants. Do you think she'll allow that decision to stand and the decision as it now exists to stand when that eventuates, as you put it, Tim? Because it's going to happen. You're absolutely right. And then they're going to have to yes. come up with some new arguments. Yes, sports is the last bastion where merit matters. And uh, I, I think once you cross that line, the vast majority of people are going to say they're not going to stand for it. I would have thought you were right, Tim. Uh, yeah. Three years ago, I would have thought you were right. But, you know, you look at yeah. how even professional sports caved on so many issues uh, from race to China uh, and I mean, NCAA caved on 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 this. I I just I don't know. I I think you're right. I I'd like to think you're right that sports is the last bastion. What's the old David Galerner line? Why don't we? Uh, as he say, why don't we have affirmative action in professional sports? Because in America we take sports seriously. Is that the line? Yeah. Well, we'll see. You're probably right, Tim. Though you're probably right. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, they're all conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. The patents have been filed, and the big banks have released plans for implementation. 
The vets at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of cash, the end of financial privacy, big government able to see your every purchase. Could there be ties to social credit? Own private currency, gold and silver. Now get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call the Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000, or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. Um, Larry Elder, our good and dear friend Larry Elder, announced that he is running for the presidency today. We speculated on that. He was here in January in studio with us uh, David, have you met him yet? He comes in and out a lot. Did you meet him when he was here that day? Yes, I did have the great privilege. He's just such a great guy, uh, and he's going to contribute a lot to this um, debate. And you never know where these candidacies will go. Um, I, I, I'll say more about that in a moment. I'll, I'll just say this about Larry Elder's candidacy right up front. This may be the most ethnically or racially diverse primary the country has ever seen far more so than the Democrats have ever put up. And it's the Republican Party. Let them try and call us racist again. Let them try and call us white supremacist. That's what they did with Larry, didn't they, when he ran for governor? The blackface of white supremacy, making a mockery of white supremacy itself. You know, it seems to me when you have the Department of Justice and administra- administrative spokespeople saying, that white supremacy is the greatest threat in America, that they do themselves a disfavor and mock the whole issue when they say that Larry Elder and people like Larry Elder are the white face, excuse me, are the black face of white supremacy. It just renders the whole notion of white supremacy nugatory. It renders it meaningless. It renders it a joke. The left, at the same time, they're trying to take make us take something seriously, is turning it into a bad joke. But you add Tim Scott and Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy and Larry Elder, and you have the most diverse, so far, more may get in, you have the most diverse primary field of candidates running for president, I think, in the history of this country, and it's the Republican Party, far more diverse than you've ever seen on the Democratic primaries. Speaking of the Democratic primaries and this notion of erasure of women, this subtle and not-so-subtle sexism that takes place in the Democratic Party. There was a big story by Reuters today on those who have announced for president in both parties. And on the Democratic side, it had Joe Biden and Robert Kennedy. And on the Republican side, it had Donald Trump and then it's and uh, Tim Scott and Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. And it named a couple potentials of others who might get in. I think it had Nikki Haley. It It uh, mentioned others who might get in, like Ron DeSantis and a few other speculative ideas. But on the Democratic thing, are they missing something? Joe Biden and Robert Kennedy Jr. Someone announced against Joe Biden before Robert Kennedy Jr., Marianne Williamson. And she put out a Twitter saying this is absolutely disgusting. You know what? None of them get my vote, nor will they ever. But she's absolutely right. She's absolutely right. Absolutely. They just they just ignore her. There is, I am telling you, a concerted, subtle effort to just not give a damn about women anymore. What a weird thing. What a weird thing on the progressive left. 
But it's not without its origins, and it's not without its templates. I gave them to you in my monologue. It's Marxist Maoism, and it's here. At least it's here in one party. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. That professor at Amherst, the erasure of women, was what marked the cultural revolution of Mount Zedong. You bet it did, and it might wreck us here, too. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960, Open Lines Friday. We have our great uh, cigar uh, night with Dennis Prager uh, a week from yesterday. It will be in a week from yesterday. It'll be next Thursday, less than a week from now, I suppose, would be the way to put it. Six days from now would be the way to put it. We have some general admission tickets left. Uh, it's going to be a great evening. I'll be there. You'll recognize some uh, guests uh, from this show who will uh, be there as well. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful evening uh, in the uh, shade and shadow of Camelback Mountain. Uh, the food will be great. The talk will be great. Uh, I can guarantee you that. Dennis is always great. And, yeah, while VIP is sold out, the general admission tickets are almost uh, just almost as good. Uh, you, you'll have plenty. We're keeping it deliberately small. You'll have, um, you'll have uh, plenty, of, uh, plenty of time to uh, talk with and say hi to Dennis and co-mingle with uh, a lot of fellow listeners uh, to this show, fellow conservatives. Uh, be great to um, see you there and talk to you. Uh, as I say, we'll have a nice cocktail reception, cigars, great food, great drink. If you don't like cigars, don't worry. Uh, you don't have to smoke one, and there will be a no-smoking section if you're even sensitive to that, and it's all outdoors anyway, but uh, looking forward to it very much. And then the main event will be me uh, interviewing Dennis on all the kinds of things we talk about today. I just can't think of any voice I would rather hear than Dennis's. If you want tickets, 960thepatriot.com is uh, where to get them. Go to 960thepatriot.com for Cigar Night with Dennis Prager, uh, which will be um, in six days, next Thursday, the 27th. David, you're going to go too, aren't you? I think you're going to go. I think you'll be I would there. Love to go. Yeah, I think you'll be there. By the way, we have a lapel pin today, a political pin, as long as we got you on mic. Yes, I've got Gary Hart on today. Gary Hart. I assume not for Senate. No, this would have been from his eighty four presidential run. He ran twice, eighty four and eighty eight, generating in the nineteen eighty four race one of the most famous political ads of all time. What was the political ad that was so famous? That there aren't a lot of famous political ads. Morning in America came out in 1984 on the Republican yeah, side. Yeah, was a great year for political What ads. was the other big one? What was the, what was the big one? Where's the beef? Where's the beef? That's right. Uh, for Walter Mondale. And it was against. It was a primary, um, it was a primary campaign uh, ad against Gary Hart uh, that Walter Mondale's uh, group put together. Uh, based on the Wendy's commercial. That's right. And uh, Walter Mondale was in one of those debates. Gary Hart was kind of the Hollywood kind of character, that, that Robert Red, like that Robert Redford type, uh, the candidate. Was that yes. his? Was it Love the candidate? Yeah. He was kind of that Robert Redford, perfect-looking, uh, good-looking man from, from the West. He had a lot of Hollywood support. I think Warren Beatty and people, Jack Nicholson, they were all surrounding Gary Hart. Uh, and um, Mondale's campaign manager, he died, I think, a couple years ago. People may remember him from Fox News was Bob Beckel. Do you remember Bob Beckel? Robert Beckel had his own 
tragic uh, life story. But um, it was uh, Gary Hart uh, was defeated by Mondale in 84, who subsequently was defeated by Ronald Reagan, lost 49 states to Ronald Reagan. And then Gary Hart, again, more famously in 1988, had really one of the first political, major political sex scandals, I suppose, or the first sex scandal that really took out a major candidate. He had effectively, there had been rumors about Gary Hart for years, and fed up with the rumors after one reporter asked him about them at a press conference about infidelity to his wife. He said, follow me around. Just, you know, let's put a rest to this. Well, a couple did, and uh, they uh, caught him uh, with his uh, paramour, whose name was Donna Rice. Uh, Donna Rice, interesting, every saint has a past, every sinner has a future, we like to say. Donna Rice has totally reformed her life. I know her a little bit. I uh, used to know her better. We did some work together in Washington. She started a uh, anti-pornography group. She really did reform her life called Enough is Enough and does some great work, just does some great work. Uh, Gary Hart went quiet for a long time, I think became a professor and then maybe ambassador to Ireland or something under Obama, something like that. But uh, he really, uh, his was really the first, uh, he was probably shocked because he envisioned himself and people envisioned him as kind of the next John Kennedy, you know, with the hair and the good looks and the, and the athleticism. Uh, and of course, John Kennedy was known for all that, but the press didn't make a thing of it. Gary Hart uh, challenged them to make a thing of it. And son of a gun, they did. What am I missing? What am I leaving out? I think I got that. I think I got most of that right. Uh, Gary Hart, 84 and 88. He was uh, himself a political consultant. He ran the 1972, he ran the 1972 McGovern campaign, if memory serves. Uh, Yes, I I believe that's right. But that gets me back to this primary discussion with Larry Elder's entrance into it. And I'm really delighted to see it. Uh, Larry brings uh, not only articulate a level of articulate rhetoric to the race. Um, he brings tremendous smarts. And whether it's the L.A. Times calling him the black face of white supremacy, I saw one major outlet today say former shock jock enters presidential primary, uh, meaning Larry Elder. Shock jock? Is that what he was? These people, <laughs> these people. First of all, I don't know, Bill, David, shock jock, that's like a morning DJ, right? That's like a, that's like, that's like a, I don't know, Anthony and Opie or Opie and Anthony type thing or Bubba loves. Sp- I mean, I don't even know if they exist anymore. If that format exists, maybe it does. But shock jock is the last thing Larry Elder was. He didn't shock, except for the fact, maybe with his brilliance, and he wasn't a jock spinning records. He was putting out tremendously hefty intellectual content and articulate political thought and philosophy what a demeaning thing to write and it shows you if they're not being demeaning that they never listen to him or us they just they just never listen to him or or us they just don't they don't know what they're talking about and i suppose maybe we need to take some cognizance of that when the left or the media criticize what we say or stand for or do 
Um, ask them if they know what they're talking about. Ask them if what they're basing it on. Elon Musk did a great job of this with that BBC interview the other day. Did you catch this? BBC reporter was interviewing Elon Musk and said, since you've taken over, I've noticed the hate speech has gotten worse. And Elon Musk said, give me an example. And the reporter couldn't give him one. He said, well, I haven't read it in a couple of months. He said, well, yeah, but you said it. You, you made the point. Do you have a piece of evidence on this? Can you give me an example of the hate speech? And the reporter said, well, again, I haven't looked into it. He said, well, then maybe you shouldn't bring it up if you don't have any evidence. But maybe you have evidence from a couple of months ago. Can you remember anything? Drill them down. Ask them to, ask them to do what science professors used to say. Prove it. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Oh, that would be fun music for the uh, the ad they have running when I'm doing gustatory intolerance, wouldn't it? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. You think about the vagaries and vicissitudes of the economy, banks failing, stock market volatility, a possible recession. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? It's a portfolio Well, you'll know what each monthly statement will look like. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Talk to my friends at Y Refi. They're local. You can go visit them. They're over on the um, on the corner of Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Y Refi, you'll see why I trust and like them so much and why you will as well. A due diligence approved firm, you can earn up to 10 and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com or call them at 888-Y-REFI-34. 888-Y-REFI-34. John's in Phoenix. Hello, John. Hi, Seth. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am. Excellent. I have called you uh, before, and I think I've warned you or your audience about some of the things I am seeing on left-wing media, and that's what I'm calling about today. Okay. Uh, I often eavesdrop on uh, MSNBC, CNN, uh, Media Matters, other things, just to kind of see what's going on over there. And I was taken aback. There is a new movie hitting the theaters this weekend called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. I don't know if anybody's heard about this. The description in the MSNBC articles, if I may, uh, if I may read this by a, a, a columnist named Zasheen Alim, uh, describes it as a thriller heist movie complete with tension and twists and suspense. And he says, quote, but instead of being driven by a desire for cash, the characters are motivated by a desire for social change. Mm. The theory of change is outlined in a 2021 book that inspired the movie and shares its name. Swedish scholar Andreas Malm wrote the book to persuade climate activists to consider embracing property destruction and sabotage as an activist tactic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. MSNBC is promoting this. Yeah. Well, uh, this—if uh, you, you don't—you don't need to see the movie or read the book. It's but thank you for the alert, John. You don't need to see the movie or read the book to know what it's about. 
A lot of us uh, were uh, told to read the book years ago by Franz Fanon called The Wretched of the Earth. And in the introduction to that book by Jean-Paul Sartre, the philosopher, he explains the Marxist justification for violence and bombings like this on behalf of Marxist causes and justifies it. Uh, This is a long march. Okay, so now we have another novel and now a movie. Um, And they're promoting this, Marxist violence. Well... Okay. Um, John, I, I, I talk about the Marxism here in America uh, for a reason, right? It's not just cultural. It's now political as well. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 